Welcome everyone to the REST podcast, where our goal is to help each and every one of you displace confusion, chaos, and dis-ease in order to heal and find significance in life. Today, we're jumping into part two of understanding how you love and attachment with our lovely guest, Ms. Jane Marcheski. It's so awesome to be here. I'm so glad <laughs> you're here. I'm going to go ahead and jump into to today's quote which is, um, and this is actually contrary to popular belief, but it makes a lot of sense uh, when you really think about it. So the antithesis of love is not hate. The antithesis of love is selfish love, me first. In order to love well, we must see ourselves clearly and reconcile the conflict this kind of attitude creates within us. And that's actually by Virginia herself. So anyway, I'm so happy that you're here and I can't wait to dive into this. Well, every time that thought comes to mind, I think of one of the few things I hear consistently is, how did I get here? Yeah. Mm-hmm. The other one is, I never realized that about myself. Right. So one thing that I do very quickly during a session or early on in an interview process with someone is I try to identify and help them understand how they love, why, so they can have high levels of understanding. It is the beginning of reconciling the conflict within ourselves. Because until that happens, it is very difficult to love well. Right. And Jane, that's a great transition with Jane. Yes. Because cancer was an invitation for her into this place of rest. And Mm -hmm. as I mentioned in the last episode, one of the primary tools I use besides Saraset and Evox and other things, but one of the primary and most necessary bits of information that I'm that I want my clients or patients to have and I need to be aware of is how they love right because it explains so much and it's a great point of entry and it's a fantastic way to immediately empower someone and I can show them the the power that they have to change and I like where we ended up with Jane again last week um, last segment because she begins to identify that. Wait, my breast cancer took place a year into my marriage. Right, Jane? Pretty much. Yeah. But the I The real- initial tumor showed up months after I got married. And then I got the diagnosis two years after. But And the triggering point, but the triggering point and the compounding stress yeah. were all these unresolved issues and conflicts from our families of origin yes and from even our ancestors remember our stories don't begin at home they begin in the home of the home of our parents 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 and so that's really important with that jane can we continue our discussion a little bit there's so much to say and i know our heads are spinning i want you to talk a little bit about we identified how you love and how that was a significant part of your healing we encouraged everyone to take the online test and seek awareness, yeah. if I remember correctly, of their own attachment style. Working together, I walked you through this process over a period of months, and we were dealing at the time, as we discussed, with breast cancer. And you were a bit overwhelmed at that time. Yeah, a bit. Just <laughs> slightly. <laughs> we touched on the case of reactivities. Let's stop there. Let's get practical and tell us as a pleaser what role did being unaware of your anxiety and your reactivities and understanding your attachment style and how you loved mm-hmm. play in your disease 
and in how you loved your family, your parents, your husband? Yeah. Well, I think as a pleaser, um, you're always looking for someone to please. Mm. And you almost get comfortable in that space. Um, and that's, that's where you feel at home. That's what's familiar to you, is finding someone to please and, and figuring out how to please them. And I think I was addicted a little bit to that game of uh, needing someone mm. to please and kind of feeling the satisfaction of being able to win at that game. But if you're not aware of why you do the things that you do, um, then you can get into all kinds of bad relationships, bad behaviors, bad patterns. And I didn't realize this until cancer stopped me in my tracks, but I had lived my entire life looking for someone to please. And I think, you know, starting out, I really was eager to please my parents. How did that change? Because it was a significant transition from a desire to please yeah. into... Into like a, almost like a revolt. I think I, well, I, I grew up be, doing a good job pleasing my parents. Mm -hmm. And then as I grew up and kind of went away, moved away, went to college, um, and I kind of started to find my own path, I wasn't um, overconnected anymore. Like we talked about, pleasers are overconnected. Mm -hmm. And I had this distance from them. Can I interject something? Of course, yeah. You said something really interesting, and you talked about pleasing, 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 desire to not rock the boat, make right. everybody happy. And then all of a sudden, just like that, you were done, and there was a revolt. Yeah. And revolt is when we just cannot tolerate something. And what does the body do? Yes. It rejects it. Yes. So I want to point out that pleasers are very angry people. Mm. But they have such low levels of self-awareness that in fact there was no switch that flipped it was just the compounding effect of pleasing she would didn't you didn't develop this resources to speak truth and love right and there was this need and she did that to control and so i think what was really interesting is that there was no switch that went off and i want our listening audience to be careful to understand that right. that peace pleasers seem very compliant and happy-go-lucky mm -hmm. and they're amazing and everything's going on and one day boom everything's done they're not evil deceptive people they're just not it's self-deception they're right. not aware of themselves yeah mm -hmm. and so i just wanted to interject oh, that's so when so you good. yeah so when you went off to college the anger and the it just started in yeah, another cycle of there. pleasing right yeah yeah um and that it's funny even as you say that you're like pleasers are very angry people initially my reaction is, i'm not angry yeah right <laughs> like, no, i'm not no, i'm not and you're so sweet <laughs> <laughs> um but obviously obviously there was so much anger Hence the liver, which I'm sure you'll go into with doctor when you talk about Dr. Hammer. Anger right. stored in the liver, and I had a lot of cancer in That's the right. liver. Okay, thank you for bringing yeah. that up. Anger, suppressed liver. So the breast cancer gets reconciled and negotiated, but where does it appear again? They're like cancers, like parasites, right? Mm -hmm. In the liver. Yeah, I actually they have hide. a question about sure that thing. real quick too, because. It, um, Dr. Hammer also talks about how the liver is associated with a fear of starvation. And that doesn't necessarily mean food. food. It can also mean like a starvation mm. of love or a starvation of connection or fulfillment. Mm -hmm. And I think wow. talking about like as a pleaser, like That's that right. kind of seems like it goes a little hand in hand. Of course, it does, right? 100%. Wow. Yeah. And another thing I want us to connect here is, and we have to be careful about is she's not a victim to all these things. Right. None of us are victims to any of this. Right. We need to be aware 
And that's why today I want to pick up on be ruthless about awareness and then do something. Don't sit there and explain it away or rationalize it. Be aware and then do something. Right. Because that's what we've had to do. And it's not been easy. No, no. It's been really, really difficult. So you're in college now. You leave home, pleasing, pleasing, angry, and you go to college, and you're still in that mode, but you're not aware right? that the same person who left home is in college. Yeah. See, we all want to run from things, but we don't realize that we can't run from us. The mm-hmm. things we're running, we're trying to run from, we're really running to, and the body keeps the score. So the weight of the disparity between those stories we tell ourselves when we run from things Mm -hmm. and what's really happening in our body, the chasm between that begins to grow and grow and grow and grow. It's a huge crater Mm -hmm. because you went to college and it all went with you. Yeah, absolutely. How did it manifest itself? When I was in college? Yeah, pleasing and Um, or controlling. I think then you went into a controlling mode in college. I'm not sh- I'm not sure what I would call it. I because there in college I kind of uh found my own way in a sense and really discovered all these parts of myself um that I was uh I just found like an artistic side and an adventurous side and a risk-taking side and my family didn't love that about me. So I was kind of forced to decide like am I going to continue pleasing or them and like live in this little safe practical um, box, am I going to continue pleasing and be controlled or am I going to totally fly off the handle and go the other way? So that's what I did. And I think I maybe was a little bit of a vacillator at that point, maybe. Um, like and I close, want us away, to connect close, what away. she's saying yeah. because we're going from vacillator to pleaser and then there is an avoidance site that she's going to address too. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. So mm-hmm. this is interesting in the timeline of when cancer develops because this is kind of the start of that 10-year incubation, 10 to 12-year incubation period where I had this huge explosive um, situation with my family where it was that anger that was always there um, finally came to the surface. I just had enough and I was like, forget it. Like, um, I'm not, I don't care what anybody thinks. I'm going to do whatever I want to do. And I kind of swung to the entire other end of the spectrum. And that was a huge breaking point of a lot of my family relationships. And and it almost revealed this belief system that I had um, where if I wasn't pleasing everybody, then I would be abandoned and unlovable. She's talking about herself in this pilgrimage, and it's very important. But for those parents that are listening Mm -hmm. or people who are raising children, I just want to address that what Jane did, it was not, we call this often rebellion. She became so rebellious, and it's not. Rebellion's different. What Jane's talking about is revolt. There is unlawful authority in the home. Mm. Mom, dad, life's complicated and life's messy, but they weren't in sync about many things. And the children that are le- that we're shaping and we're forming and we're raising and we're teaching and we're discipling their hearts, they're confused by the disparity of many things that goes on between mom and dad because they don't understand how they love. Right. And their measures of reactivity and how it's impacting the children. So what Jane's describing is this revolt mm-hmm. against unlawful authority in the home. We're going to talk about roles of in, in the home, and we're going to talk about family systems later, perhaps differently than is conventionally discussed. 
but I do think that's a necessary topic and it'll come in further episodes. But I want to address that it's a revolt that takes place because of unlawful authority in the home. When that happens, there's a measure of chaos in the home. And again, the chaos in Jane's home is not because her, it's not a character deficit. It's how everybody and everybody's central nervous system aligns itself to respond in order to cope and right. process life, yeah. right? So anyway. Well, really quick, can you actually give your example of like when the body itself revolts of what that looks like? Like if you use, you use the example of like when you eat bad food. Oh, yes. I love sushi. And I've eaten good sushi, and I've eaten sushi that's not so... Let's talk about a steak. A steak is easy. <laughs> Everybody, most people like steaks. Yes. But if you don't like steak and you eat fish, whatever it is, or even if you're vegan or vegetarian, if something's contaminated, mm -hmm. your body will reject it. Yeah. Because your body is governed mm -hmm. by laws of nature that are self-evident when you understand the constitution of our anatomy. And they speak to our natural affection. When everything's going well with the body, everything's well with us. But when you put something contaminated that is unlawful, that is not meant for the body, in the body, the body's going to revolt and it's going to throw up and you're going to have diarrhea and all a num and you're going to maybe yeah. have a fever and sweat. Why? Because the body's trying to get all the toxins and all the poisons out of it at any cost, even if it has to keep you down for years years <laughs> yeah. and and i think that that's a very important practical simple thing for you to understand when you do not negotiate toxic emotions toxic attachments toxic relationships toxic feelings that yeah. emote when you don't get to the root cause of feelings that's what ends up happening to your body and that's why you're going to experience various states of disease in this case, of course, cancer, but we embrace it and we're thankful for it right. because it's speaking to us. Yes. What, what Jane neglected here in the spiritual realm, and we're going to do an amazing podcast on that, what she neglected to negotiate in her mind, her heart, her will, her conscience, her feelings, the body says, that's okay, I'll take care of it. And so cancer became the best solution to help her address and reconcile the conflict within herself. So it sounds a little bit complicated, but I'd refer you all again to the work of Dr. Hammer in German New Medicine to further understand this. But Jane, I love how you speak about it because all these pieces came together for you. Yes, yes. Inc it's just incredible the way, that, the way that everything has made sense. So that was, my, that was my big triggering event. I had this revolt against... Um, just this unhealthy dynamic in the home, which of course, like you that said, that was yours. You yeah. owned it. It was in your body too. Right. Yeah. And and right. It's it, the problem isn't even in the home. I mean, That's it right. is, but I carried it. That's right. You know, and your parents carried it miles away yeah. because the problem is in me. That's right. So and they carried it, and their parents carried it, and their course. parents carried it, and this is right. And this is how yeah, and this is how it is, and we all have to own up to what we carry That's because right. the conflict is in ourselves. ourselves. And can I address something here and I know it doesn't have a lot to do with attachment, but it has everything to do with every facet of your life because we're talking about the conflict within ourselves and there's this little three-letter word that nobody likes and I don't like it either. 
but I have a deep respect for it now and a growing understanding of it. And it's called sin. Sin is when a person violates the conversation among the parts of their soul, their mind, their will, their heart, their conscience, their feelings. When we violate ourselves and when we've sinned, when we've done something that we know is not just or equitable, in this case, many times you were angry with your parents. Mm-hmm. You, you were conflicted between your righteous indignation and this isn't just or equitable because I'm blaming them for things I do too, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. That's called sin. That is a conflict between the soul and the body. The body will never lie to you. The body is always going to tell you the truth. It's going to tell you exactly what's going on. What will lie to you is your mind, your heart, your will, your conscience, and your feelings. And negotiating those two conversations becomes imperative in treating disease. But as I'm listening to Jane, that is what became absolutely clear with her. The thing I love about you, Jane, and I love about working with you and many, many patients that are like you, she put all her chips on the table and she wants to play Mm -hmm. because she wants life right and when we violate our own conscience when we sin Mm -hmm. we are literally making decisions of conscience that diminish the our life right i think another way to explain it maybe even in more like layman's terms for those who aren't like who, who haven't heard of sin in like a theological sense. Another way to look at it too is the archery term sin. It's spelled the same exact way, but the meaning of it is missing the mark. And I think that that still kind of, it still coincides with what you're talking about, Virginia, not necessarily in the sense. Well, the mark is alignment. If yes, we're not exactly. in the alignment, alignment. Yeah. we can't walk. Exactly. And by, we can't talk, by, right? Absolutely. And by violating your conscience, you're missing that mark. That's so, right. it, you know, even outside of a theological sense. You, but the, th- the mark, and, and thank you for bringing that up, because I don't want to speak about this theologically. Right. I want to speak about this chemically, biologically, mm-hmm. physiologically. Mm-hmm. People's minds might go to the theological concept. Yes. But literally, sin is when you violate your own conscience mm-hmm. and you create and you feed a growing conflict within yourself. Yes. Thank you for bringing it up. Theologically, it's got a definition, but I'm talking about physiologically and biologically. Yes. We measure the disparity between those two things. So when a person's violating their conscience, I see it in their body. One of the Mm -hmm. fundamental things I do is I do an EVOC scan. Mm -hmm. I want my wife to come in. She's not well. We think she's losing her mind. It's affecting our seven kids. And we have this beautiful family. We're, We're people of faith. We do all the right things. We don't know what's happening. She's losing her mind. I say, wonderful. The husband's here talking to me about his wife, mm-hmm. which she wasn't able to come in at that time. He wanted to come and interview me and see what I was all about. Well, that already told me 150 things. Yeah. But I think it's wonderful. I'm glad he came in and I was thankful. By the way, I have a great working relationship with this big family now. But I said, may I scan you while you speak to me? He said, please do. I want to do anything I can to help my wife, Mm -hmm. save my family. Wonderful. I scan him, which I didn't scan him for me. I scanned him for him. Yeah. I can tell in a 45-minute conversation what's happening at home. Mm -hmm. So sure enough, top scan, bully with an intent to bring harm, controlling, messy. Right. So I have a wife that's falling apart, having a nervous breakdown, who I already know is a what? 
chaotic because chaotic people attach chaos attach chaos Mm -hmm. so i know that her extent of chaos equals his and 10 conversations i say to him in 10 more words i say to him wow what do you think is going on here because this is what your body's revealing and this is the story you're telling me and those things are not equal right so where do you think the disparity is and he went sheet white and I said, good, this is good. Why? Truth. Yeah. For him to experience the freedom he wants, we've got to examine these foundations and look at the truth of everything so we can be free. So going back to your story, Jane, one of the things that became clear is the confusion and the chaos and the disease at home and which she revolted against. And then Jane began to experience she did everything she would she went she did it all in college right in terms of um access all kinds of she she learned about herself Mm -hmm. and all these different platforms but at the root at the end of the day the root cause of the disease is a chaotic attachment style Mm -hmm. and a root of bitterness Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. because every vacillator right and a, a pleaser remember and a victim yeah they're the same people except a victim will draw a line with abuse. So as Jane began to reconcile how she loved and how that was manifesting in her body, reconciling things with your marriage, Jane, became different. Yeah, I'm curious even how that travel, like that journey through college led into the relationship that you had. Oh, it's so so important and so connected because I think um, I... I kind of stumbled into this this like romantic relationship that like quickly became a marriage because I was still looking to reconcile this conflict within myself of being um of pleasing somebody Mm -hmm. you know of like wanting to be fully accepted and fully enough to please someone because I I still at that point I never felt like I was able to accomplish that and um they try everything when you're in chaos right you try everything right and again, not a character deficit. It's just a reactivity. Because how do you feed the hunger you spoke about earlier? The need. How do you fill that hole? Oh, right. You try right. everything. Yeah, yeah, you do anything you can. And I didn't realize this until I sat in Virginia's office where I learn a lot of things I don't want to know about myself, by the way. Um, we all do. Yeah, we all do. Yeah. <laughs> um, We're in this that, together. Like somehow I got into... Um, a marriage that completely mimicked the unhealthy dynamic in my childhood where I was constantly working, working, working to please. But the conflict within myself was that I was angry that I couldn't please this person that I wanted to please. But there was another side of it, and I was angry at myself because I was participating in this game. Hence hence breast cancer. Yeah. Right. But I'd like to pause there because this is a great place to stop until the next segment where you're going to unwrap that for us. But I'd like to leave everyone with a tangible walk away. Last time I wanted you to become aware. I encouraged you to become aware of your love style. Mm -hmm. Jane, that was instrumental for you, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And it's instrumental for, it was instrumental for me. It's instrumental for everyone I work with. But then how, how do I, okay, so I know I'm a vacillator. What do I do now that I identify my love style? The single most important thing that you can do, and I know Jane sometimes would get frustrated or 
I don't think you were the one of the people that gets frustrated, but people generally get really annoyed when I put a word list in front of them so that they can identify how they feel. Mm. Feelings are a function of the soul and feelings emote. So it's imperative that you get to the root cause of your emotion. And by the way, I would say here, be careful that you don't judge people by their reactivities which will manifest in their emotional states, you must learn to ask people, would you help me understand how you feel? Because then you can get to the root cause of that emotion and it'll help regulate both of you. And Jane and I have been working at doing that in significant ways. Well, tell me how you feel. So I wanna leave that as a takeaway for today that you would identify how you feel. And I think in the How We Love website, there's a list of feeling words. If not, you can get it from Google. But identify how you feel so then you can begin to better understand how you tend to emote those feelings, how you tend to react. And you'll be able to begin to understand your levels of reactivity. And then we have many events, too, that I'm sure you can mention that we do extensive group training on these things. But that's the takeaway for today. Do you have something you want to leave everyone with about awareness? When you became aware of these deregulated behaviors, these deregulated states of being, all of a sudden the, the focus shifted from the cancer to the husband to the family, mm -hmm. it shifted from everybody else yeah. to you. And how do I reconcile this? How do I put these pieces together? Yeah, the, the beautiful and the hard thing about that is when you, when you start to accept that all of your problems can be boiled down to a conflict within yourself, it's, it hurts because you would rather be able to point fingers at everyone else and say it's your fault your fault your fault or my circumstances are because of because of this because of yeah that. yeah but so that hurts a little bit because you don't want to be responsible for your own issues but that is also tremendously empowering because it means i i have what it takes and i have the power in my hands to reconcile all of these issues with or without everyone else fixing their problems I love it. It puts so much power in your hands. So it it nobody likes nobody likes admitting that they are the problem or part of the problem. But if you're willing to do that, then it also at the same time puts power in your hands to heal. Jane has mentioned the word power, the word power, and that can be a trigger word for me, but it's exactly what she felt but I want to give you another little phrase for that word power that word power is the fruit of understanding the capacity that you have within your own resources mind heart will conscience feelings your own resources right here in the center cavity of your chest to exercise liberty so that you can mm -hmm. live free yeah Jane's word power, and it's a common word, it's about freedom, right? One of the greatest leaders that ever lived said, it's for the sake of freedom, power, and authority that you have to rule and overrule that I came to give you liberty. 
Liberty is a function of conscience. It's a function of your soul. And when you can reconcile that, and one way, just one way is understanding attachment, right? You'll live with greater measures of freedom. So good. Thank you both so much again for coming in today. Um, And just for a few resources for everyone, again, if you've not taken that How We Love quiz, that is online at howwelove.com. That's with two Ws. Um, And also the book How We Love by Milan. Mylan. Mylan. Thank you. Mylan and Kay Yurkovich is on virginiadixon.com under resources. And also to learn more about Jane's story, you can follow her on Instagram at nightbird with an E at the end and an underscore in the beginning. Yes. Yeah. At underscore nightbird. And you can also check out her blog and her bio. It's awesome. Uh, for any updates about rest and this podcast, as well as events, um, you can visit our Instagram at the place of rest. So anyway, thank you so much for listening and we look forward to seeing you next time.